Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Joe DiBiase. Brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at NorthtownAuto.com. We got one hour left here for your Extra Point Week on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. Sal Capaccio. Sneaky Joe DiBiase. The combine's still happening in Indianapolis. It is devolving into like what Super Bowl Media Day yep. has become. Where, like, so uh, what's the Clemson running back's name? I just saw it here. Esteem? No, oh, Notre Dame running back, Audric Esteem. He, I think that's how you say it. Yeah, he apparently in the me in the media were just singing "Sweet Caroline" together. Uh huh. And Roma Dunze got asked by somebody in the media. <laughs> Whether he thinks he could land a plane in an emergency? There was a meme going around the internet like a month ago. Oh, okay. Like, it was girlfriends asking their boyfriends, could you land, like, a Boeing 747 if you needed to? So someone decided to ask him that at the Combine, and his quote is, we are going down, all souls are perished. He's truthful. I give give him credit for being honest. Stock just went up. He's not not overconfident. Could you guys do it? No. No chance. I can give it a try. I mean, it, it like the smallest of percentage chance. No, there's no way. I agree with that, but you have all these instruments, right? I have no idea what they. Mm-hmm. The, I wouldn't. It'd be totally foreign to me. Yep. But if I could at least have someone walk me through it, I think I might have a small chance. Tell yeah. me where the landing gear is, the brakes are, and how about this? Like where the runway is? If I don't. You're <laughs> in my ear and say, "Listen, this is where this is located. This is where this is located. Just do this." Yeah. Right? I don't know. I I like to think that <laughs> I would not, I don't think I would would do it successfully. But if I was in a situ- if ever in a situation where somebody had to had to do it, had to try, I do feel comfortable like that I would be willing to try it. Like sure. if, if, if someone You'd rather had live to it do up it, to you than somebody else. I would yep. I would and, and nobody go. was qualified to do it, I would get into that chair and I would I would try to do the best I could. But I no way. Just I don't I don't think there's a chance. Much what did most boyfriends say to their girlfriends? You think when the meme came out? Uh, oh yeah, I yeah, saw, babe, I could definitely do that. Yeah, I, I saw got a lot you. Of the videos and it was pretty much just everyone being like, "Yep, I could totally do that." Oh, the best one of these is like overconfident, you know, men. Is there was a poll that got released? This wasn't like a TikTok thing, but there was a poll like percentage of men that think that they could win a fight against like a bear versus percentage <laughs> of women and like same thing against like chimpanzees and you know at, at all different sorts of animals. And like, oh, it's over fifty percent. 
of of men for like to think they could win a fight against like a a, a chimpanzee or a gorilla <laughs> or like thirty percent thought they could win a fight oh against like a brown bear or something. Just and, and then it was like two percent on the other side. So well, so they go to these interviews and and you're talking about even being at the podium being asked these questions, right? Right. They go to these interviews. So Joe, they're called the formal interviews. You've heard that term all week, formal interviews, and I'm like. Like you got to wear a tux. Like, what's formal? Like, you have to dress up. It's called a yeah. formal interview, and that's not true because they're all wearing most likely their their jumpsuits that they wear for the combine, right? Yep. But it is something. A formal interview. There is a difference between a formal interview and an informal interview at the combine. They might be something that's self explanatory, but let me explain. So, an informal interview is if you get a chance, a scout, uh, front office executive. You want to go talk to a player a little bit, you can do that. You have a chance to just kind of kind of talk a little bit. And if that player has to go, they have something on their schedule, they can talk with you, mm-hmm. that's cool. You're just kind of in a normal kind of impromptu setting. You can do that. But what happens with the formal interviews is you get 20 minutes in a room with a prospect. It's scheduled, they show up, and you can set it up as a team however you want. Mm-hmm. And I mean who you want in that room. What questions you want to ask? Do you want to watch film? You can't put them through a workout. Put you can want to watch film. All of that is on the table. What now? Every team is different how they do this. Some teams, Joe, as you would probably know, they literally set it up in an environment where it's kind of what I'll call tension, adversarial. They want to see how the prospect reacts to that. Some teams set it up in a very welcoming environment, like hey, we want to bring them in, feel really super comfortable. It's incredible how different every team could treat it. Some teams have just maybe five, six people in there. The GM, head mm-hmm. coach, a position coach. Some teams bring psychologists, analytics people. Hmm. Every, it, it doesn't matter. You could do what you want. What would you want to do? You got a guy. You're coming in. You're the GM. You got to yep. set this up. I, I, I just think it's fascinating. Yeah. I definitely... I think I want... A piece of everyone represented, right? Like you're you're gonna want the co- you're gonna want coaches there. You get twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. I'm gonna want coaches there. I think I'm go- I'm gonna want at least one, maybe only one person from like the analytics staff. I don't know like what. I'm just using that as an example. You can yeah, use anybody. Yeah, yeah. I just throw out analytics. It could be health and science, tra- whatever you want. Anybody you want, basically, you could have in the room. I definitely want the, the positional coach to me might be the most important person. And the coordinator on that side? Yeah, because I'm going to want to get into like the nitty-gritty of like how, how you run this route concept. Like I might want to watch film. Like You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I might want to break down stuff like that uh, as to, like how like I don't know, you want to figure out how you'd work in that room. And how you'd utilize the skill set. So I think for me, the most important thing, like I would need to have my positional coach in that room. Okay, hundred percent. Yeah. What I'm hearing from you though is interesting that you would you would focus more on the on field stuff with questions. I you, think you so. didn't immediately go to I want to ask about this person's life and background and their philosophies on this, how they'd react. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, there, there's, yep. you can do that. You can do all of it. There's no doubt. But you only get 20 minutes. If you're going to be breaking down film, by the time they leave that room in 20 minutes, yeah. you might not have learned a lot about them off the field. I guess I would like to think I can learn a lot about that from people around him. You know, whether mm-hmm. that's his high school coach or his family members mm-hmm. or friends or his, of course, his college coaching staff. Like, I feel like, you know, 
Not to say I wouldn't want to get that directly from him too, but I feel like I could I would I would learn a lot about the person from the people around him. And I don't know if I can get all that tech technique stuff from everyone around him, if that makes sense. No, I get that. And listen, some of the other people that are that are in the room, the people that get you give you information, yep. these are scouts that have seen them all year. They've gone a couple of times, they've watched some things. So you can get information like that too. They've gone mm. to these campuses, they've talked to these players. But I think it's obviously valuable to talk to that person about things in their life. But you yep. hear stories sometimes, Joe. They come out of these meetings and they literally ask questions that are pretty kind of sensitive and even maybe offending to some of these guys. Oh, yeah. There have been stories. Yes. Jeff, Jeff Ireland, maybe, in Miami. There yes. was one that came out a couple years ago. Um, there there have been – Des Bryant, right? Wasn't, wasn't it asking about a family member? Like, was it was a, a prostitute. Was a prostitute, was your, right? Wasn't yeah. something like that? Yeah, it was something like that. Um, so there, there have been stuff like that. There was – was it Rob Gronkowski who said he fell asleep during his meeting with the Patriots? Did you see that? <laughs> I don't know if he did. I think, he, I, think that came, I think that was said recently. He might have said that. I, don't I know. know I heard that somewhere. That's ama- amazing. Um, but either way, yeah, like those. There's probably going to be, you know, there's going to be teams that do both different ways. Uh-huh. For me, though, like I again, like I only get so much time with the guy, and there's only so much I can learn from film, right? Like, right. You don't always know the player's responsibilities. You don't know a quarterback's responsibilities, a coach, how the way a play was called. I would want to find, sit down with my staff and figure out, like, what are the problems with this player? Because what I'm going to want is a list of things that I'm going to want the guy to be better at or things he wasn't so good at in college, and I'm going to want to go into that meeting and I want to hear from him why that didn't happen. Hey, why, yep. why, why weren't you a part of this part of the offense? Like, why do you think that happened? And not to say, like, th- that's stuff that you're never going to get out in public, right? Like, well, to be fair, like, my coach just never had me run that route. Like, I think I could do it. You know, I just, I, that wasn't my responsibility. This is how this happened. We had this guy at the team. Like, I would want to have a list of things that the guy wasn't good at or that were struggles for him, and I'd want to hear from him why that happened. And, of course, if he says, well, you know, the coach didn't want to play me in this situation, you could look at it as... Well, you're placing blame somewhere else where maybe it was you, and that could matter to the answer. Yeah, maybe, I guess. Right? Wait, but that's that's yeah. the whole part about this. Here's the other, when you look at film. So if you were going to chop up 10 plays, would you mostly do plays they were successful on or plays they were unsuccessful on to go over with them? I think I'd want unsuccessful. Me too. I'd want unsuccessful. What happened here? Tell me Tell me why this didn't work. Yeah. Right? Like, why, why, did, you, why did you miss this block? What were you thinking there? Yeah. By the way, the Gronk story was not that he fell asleep during the meeting. Belichick told the story uh, a year or two ago that in the pre before before the pre draft meeting that he had while waiting for Belichick and the Patriots, he fell asleep on the floor. <laughs> that was the story. So when they walked in, he was he was asleep on the floor of that room. They still drafted him. <laughs> Amazingly. Coverage of the NFL Combine on WGR all week has been brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Fast, sustainable weight loss, then free support for life. Awaken180weightloss.com. And by Outlet Liquor, when you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? All right, so talking about like these kind of informal and formal settings and things that are said and blaming people, how about the Mecole Hardman story? Mecole Hardman goes on Ryan Clark's The Pivot podcast, yep. and he says, what went wrong with the Jets? And he basically starts going, look, the special teams coach lied to me. We had a 
he, him and the one thing that came out of this was Miko Hardman and the Jet special teams coach did not like each other, or he did not like the special teams coach. He said he lied to him and misled him. I guess he's, is the word he he used. They wanted to return punts. He's like, I'm not ready for that. You haven't been using me there. He had some sort of finger injury. Didn't want to return punts, and then it just got to a point of frustration. They lost Aaron Rodgers. So then he says, so that's when I reached out to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and said, Come get me. And lo and behold, Joe. A few weeks later, mm-hmm. the Chiefs trade for him. Okay. Now, this comes out publicly. People, My first, same thing with me. I'm like, am I missing something here? The first thing I thought of was, well, you can't do that. That's tampering. Like, what, right. you, Even if you want to reach out to the team, they can't talk to you about that. But sure enough, it happened. So Joe Douglas has asked, what do you think about that? He said, let's just say it's something that's, you know, we're, we're talking about in our building. Then there's the other piece. After that, it comes out, Mecole Hardman allegedly leaked the offensive game plan to at least the Eagles and maybe even the Chiefs when they played. Yeah. he The, the report was from Connor Hughes that the Jets believe he did this. This is incredible. The Jets believe he leaked the game plans to the Chiefs and to the Eagles. And... If I'm kind of surprised it's not a bigger story. If that's true, I mean, isn't Nicole Hardman suspended for like a year? Like how how is that not a cheating allegation? How does that not fall under that umbrella? A player basically giving in. I mean, that is that is collusion, right? On some level, right? That is, um, I mean, it's definitely tampering, right? If you're in contact with another team. For whatever reason, but let alone giving them intel from inside the building. I mean, that's that's Spygate on some level, isn't it? Yeah. He's a spy. He's basically a spy in the building if he's giving the game plans away. And then the tampering part on top of that, if it's true for, you know, Mahomes and Reed. So I am very surprised it's not a bigger story. He's he's out there Agreed. talking about it openly, too. Like he doesn't think anything of it, but I don't know. Will the NFL want to just push this under the rug? Because that, that's that been happening a lot in major sports when it comes to a, a, any championship team where something a little funky went on. Everywhere, right? Manfred wanted to sweep the Astros thing completely under the rug, right? There was no big punishment for it. Like, let's just move on past this. I mean, Goodell burned the Spygate tapes, right? Yeah. And college football, like, they just wanted to move right past all the Harbaugh stuff, put them in the college football playoff. Let's never talk about this again. Like, I don't know. I don't think these leagues want it out there, want it being talked about that way. So I don't know that I w- that we will see anything come of this. Now listen, I know Nicole Hardman is not Tom Brady. I understand that. But the Dolphins did get docked a first-round pick for tampering with Tom Brady. They Remember did. Remember the, the boat meeting? They did, yep. I well, mean, if you want to be consistent. you got to do something to him. You just, you, you, I know that the Super Bowl champs, it's this, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. Be, even worse, though, because it's during the season. Yes. At least Brady was just like, what was it, a month before he was about to be a free agent? Or two months before? Like, mm-hmm. he was technically still on the Patriots, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like Brady met with him like before a game between the two. This was during the season. Yeah. I, I, I think it should be a bigger story than it is. I agree with you. We'll see where it goes. goes. In the meantime, the Chiefs... They also made news on another receiver. They have released Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Kind of a surprise to some people, not to others. But with a depleted receiving core already, 
and now releasing him, this is definitely a team that I would look out for in free agency and the draft that is also on their own wide receiver train. Yes, they saved a bunch of money by doing this. Like they're gonna they're gonna be able to help themselves get Chris Jones back by by clearing out some of that money. And he he never really lived up to what they paid him to do. Like I think they thought he would come in there and be a more complete player than he was in Green Bay, and he was the one trick pony that he was in Green Bay, which is they'll catch some deep passes and that's it. So I expect them to have a whole new core. Like around Rishi Rice. Like they, we talked about how much money they had already. Now they have a few more after doing this. Like I think they're going to draft a guy and sign a Mike Evans. I think they're going to walk into next season with a whole new. I mean, if Hardman gets suspended or something, maybe he's not going to be a part of it either. Um, I expect them to have like a brand new looking receiving core next year. We have the correct pronunciation. It's Estime, Audrey oh, Estime, the Notre Dame running back. Yeah, from uh, thank you very much, Dan on Twitter. X for sending it. And I went to Notre Dame's website. They actually have, what's the line called over the E when you do that? What's that line called over the E? The, the um, what, the accent? Yeah, the accent. Sorry, yeah. but is it the accent? Is that, I thought there was another word for it, but either way, they Depends actually have that. It is, they think. actually have that on the website. Okay. Like how you pronounce his name. So Estime is how you pronounce his name. Want to okay. get, and that's getting connected with our fans, of course. Always brought to you by Northtown Kia. Shop online at NorthtownKia.com. Northtown Auto as well. Thank you for very much for sponsoring the Extra Point Show here on WGR. Sal Capaccio, Sneaky Joe DiBiase. All right, so I got a couple of pieces up at WGR550.com on the Bills positional groups. And state of the linebackers dropped yesterday. I'll be doing the, D- the DBs. But I have a DB piece up from yesterday, which is Brandon Bean talking about safety. Joe, they ha- they're, they're going to be on the hunt for safety. I don't know how it's going to come, but they're going to be adding a safety or two mm-hmm. this year. They may have to replace both Hyde and Poyer. At least they're going to have to replace one of them, if not both of them. Braden Bean basically talked about the kind of safety he prefers. He'd rather have the guy that is cerebral, that can be rangy, understands the concepts, than the guy who's super flashy running, really big size. This is the kind of play. And I would say, I think Hyde and Poyer in that bucket. I went back to the 2013 Combine. Hyde and Poyer both ran mid four fives, not blazing speed. Mm-hmm. They're not super big dudes. They're both less than 200 pounds. That's the kind of guy they're looking for. I don't know if they can get a Mike, Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer in their prime, but let's remember, you're talking about a fifth-round pick in Hyde, a seventh-round pick in Poyer. You can get those guys late in the draft. Yeah. I I wonder if they will tr- how they'll treat that position, how much value they'll give to that position. It also might not be the year for that. I mean, they might want to or have an appeal to go get a star safety in the draft or in free agency, but you just don't have the money. Or it's not the draft class for it. And the like their kitchens, right, for Miami might be a first round guy, but there's not like this deep pool of like top safety prospects that you could think for them in the first round. There's no Kyle Hamilton. For instance, or like right. even a, a guy that's a smaller body type but might have the same draft stock. So I wonder how much we'll get to know about what they really want to do for the future at that position. It might come down to we don't have a ton of money in the first place. This isn't the best draft mm-hmm. class of the position. So let's bring back Cam Lewis Taylor Rapp. Let's, I, let's, I think that's very well possible they can or, bring up both of them. Or two guys that we could get on short-term contracts, one, two-year deals that aren't you know, the biggest names at the position. We might want to do something down the road of more consequence, 
but it's just not the offseason to do that. And I would be fine with that because we talked about this on the morning show a little bit earlier. I The Bills have had a lot of guys in and out at safety in the last two years, and I feel like they've been pretty okay. They've definitely not had the same level of play from Poyer and Hyde um, that they had before. And Hamlin didn't give them that, and Jaquan Johnson didn't give them that, and I thought Lewis and Rapp were fine, but they weren't giving them all pro play. So for all the different bodies they've had in there, all the injuries they've had in there, all the decline of Poyer and Hyde, I still feel like they proved that with lesser production at that position, they can still have a top-level defense. So here's Braden Bean's quote on the kind of player that they want at safety, or they target, or they like. He used the example of a former Bill that was with them in Carolina as well. And not only did he say this name, Sean McDermott said this name, which gets me to think they're in some meeting somewhere probably going, you know who we need? We need to get a guy like this. The guy, Kurt Coleman, if you remember him, who played for the Bills for a little while. Here's the quote. Quote from Brandon Bean. We had a guy, Kurt Coleman. He came in at the end in Buffalo. We had him in Carolina our Super Bowl year. Here's the money quote for me. We had him on like a minimal deal because Kurt's not big, tall, fast, strong, but he's got great ball skills, he's got great instincts, and he brings an edge, a dog mentality. And he goes and he has like nine interceptions for us, counting the postseason, which was a big part of our run. End quote. I think it's super important what he said. We added him on like a minimum deal because of all those measurements he didn't have. I think that's where they're going to go bargain hunting. They want to find the guy that doesn't have the measurements. It's not going to cost him money because of that. They're banking on other teams going, we can't sign a guy who doesn't it. Like, yeah, yeah. that guy, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a minimum deal. I mean, I should say it this way. They're going to bank on other teams overpaying for the measurable guys where they can get the other guys at minimum deals. And also, Bean did say end of season that this is going to be like they're going to have, they're going to be asked, young guys are going to be asked to contribute. Yes. Maybe more than ever. Couldn't that be true with safety more than anywhere else? If they, if they draft a safety in the third, fourth round, that, that guy might play right away or play. At some point during the season, that might be the position. If you told me there's a you know mid round, third round, fourth round, fifth round, there's a mid round rookie that's going to be asked to play right away. I might think that position is the one that's most likely for it. Safety, Honestly. safety, interesting. There's not many Let's starting remember. jobs available in the first place. Um, okay, we we talk about the Bills not playing young players, which I think is wrong. They do play young players. I mean, they may they may have a quicker hook. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do play young players. That's not a position they tr- traditionally have though. Let's remember Hyde and Poyer were 4 years both into their careers before they signed them. Yep. Cam Lewis really hasn't seen a lot of field until recently. DeMar Hamlin hasn't. I I I don't know if they would trust a rookie there. I I don't know how much opportunity they've had to, though, you know? Right. Like, once Poyer and Hyde got here and were what they were, they just, I mean, they never left the field for five years, right? And then by the time they finally did, Hamlin was already in the building, Johnson was already in the building, like, those guys were the guys. I mean, Hamlin might be the answer, right? Like, I didn't think he was great when he played, but he was a six-round pick that, again, 2021 as a rookie... He never would have played in the first place because Poyer and Hyde were healthy. But that second year, all right, one injury and you're in. You're starting 13 games, which is what Hamlin did that year. As a second-year, sixth-round player that hadn't played a lot and played almost nothing defensively in the first year. I, maybe, I mean, there could be just some combination, right? Like that's That could be camp battle. 
right? Like where we're right. talking in August, yeah. they might bring Cam, if they bring Cam Lewis back and they have, they draft the guy in the third, fourth round. I mean, we're probably highlighting that position in a scenario like that where you've got a guy who knows the system or is a veteran on a smaller deal, and you've got the new guy, but because the veteran isn't so highly paid or well-established that you're going to have like a real competition for a starting job at that position. So the reason why I also think, Joe, that the quote about the minimum deal is important, I mean, we talk about, I love Kyle Duggar. I really like Jeremy Chin. Like guys like that, I just don't think that, that, that I don't think they're paying. I don't think they're paying. They don't want yeah. to keep the cost low at that position. And they feel they can get a guy who can be really good for them in their system without overpaying, whether that's draft capital or free agent contract. Mm-hmm. Antoine Winfield Jr. is a free agent, for example. There's no way. You're not going out. Like, I can't see that. You're not going to go. Uh, and, yeah, even no. if they had the money is my point, right? Even if they had it, I think that's their philosophy. You know what it is? To me, their philosophy there is just like kind of their philosophy on running back. Mm-hmm. We can get a guy that can really do a good job without overpaying and spending. Yeah. Well... Could you see them spending like five to six million bucks on a safety for a one-year deal? Yeah, I don't think that's extravagant. The reason I say that number is that's basically what you'd be saving by getting rid of Jordan Poyer. Mm -hmm. So that you've already you've paid the two million. That's dead cap. Whether he's on the team or not, you're in for two million for Jordan Poyer. So now you have to decide: you want him or do you want five point seven million? Because you might you might say to yourself. Well, we could just go like five point seven million if a Jordan Poyer was on the open market. That might sound like a good idea. Like maybe he just they 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 get to a place where he's just back. I think that's a fascinating question. I don't know. I've wrestled with this. I don't. Think I don't impossible. think Hyde is back. Yeah, I would, right. I don't think both are back. But and, Jordan Poyer yeah. is under contract. Yep. And you can save the five million plus. Yep. But you're going to eat two, which is, or you could just pay the seven total. Well, because right, like that's the that's the equation. Do you want you want to just keep Poyer and and let that other five point seven million go on the cap, or if you can get a vet minimum guy, or like Cam Lewis or someone like that, would you rather say we're, we're okay with Cam Lewis or Taylor Rapp being Jordan Poyer this year because we're going to take the other four million dollars that we save and we're going to spend that in another position. We're going to spend that on a defensive lineman to help. We're going to use that to help us keep Leonard Floyd, for instance. Like oh, that'd be nice. That that <laughs> that's where that argument I think sounds pretty sound to me. Is we can we can replace Poyer in house or with a cheap veteran at a pretty small deal, and we can take the rest of the money we're saving from him, and we're gonna we're gonna use it on the defensive line or even receiver, I guess. Bills. Meetings going on, formal meetings, testing for the prospects happening at the Combine in Indianapolis. A lot of decisions to be made, I'm sure, in the next couple of weeks and maybe even very shortly over the weekend here. We could even start to hear about restructures, extensions, different things like that. Here on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show, coming up, a really cool sports story, Joe, that um, if you're into hobbies and collecting, you're going to want to hear about this. And... Um, Another instance where it's kind of coming back, but I, I'll explain when I come back. I don't even know how to tease it the right way, but mm-hmm. it's super cool, and I want to talk about it when we come back on WGR. And before we go to break, right now you have a chance to win tickets. 716-221-4WGR. Caller 5 wins a pair of tickets to see Jelly Roll at KeyBank Center October 6th. Tickets go on sale Friday, March 1st. That's today. Uh, they're on sale at Ticketmaster.com. Tickets are courtesy of Live Nation. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Being able to contribute in, you know, they was asking me, how would, how would you handle not coming in and just handling the wheel? Like, you want to have guys probably stuff on digs there? I'm like, that would be great for me. I get to learn from a guy that's, Oh, that statue that's been in the league for a while, doing it consistently. So I'm just coming in as a sponge, and I'm not mad if I don't have to take the wheel right away. That's, that's a learning experience for me to get to learn from him. And when I do get the wheel, it's going to be something crazy. That's Keon Coleman, wide receiver. A lot of kind of polarizing views on him and the fit with the Bills because it seems like the Bills want an explosive player. He doesn't fit that bill, but a lot of people tell you, no, 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 no. He's just fantastic. He can do a lot of different things. So I don't know. I, I kind of go back and forth on him. I don't particularly think he fits what I hear Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott talking about they need. Mm-hmm. He sounds like he really wants to play with Stephon Diggs, by the <laughs> yes, way. Yes, that's right. Um, I'm not on board. I mean, if they draft him, it's a first-round receiver, and I'm going to be excited no matter what. But if if you get give me my pick of the litter, guys that could be available at 28, there's a lot of concern, I think, with Coleman when it comes to separating and his route running and there are a lot of things that I'm hearing about Coleman that I remember hearing about Quentin Johnston last year mm. and Traylon Burks the year before that. Mm. The the same concerns about Coleman were concerns about those guys, and those have been the those have there's there haven't been many, but of the first round receiver busts in the last couple of years, it's Burks and it's Johnston so far. Yeah, and Kill Harry does he fall in this group? I mean, I know he's he goes he, a little further back, further too. back, but he's a kind of the same guy, right? Same, yeah, like same. Not, not, I think so. Not, not a separator. I'm trying to remember, like what would have been said about right. him before. He's just a big body. He's going to go up and get the ball. Yeah, physical, very reliant on contested yeah. catches. Like, well, those, there's a reason why he has to be relying on contested catches, and that's why because he's got to contest because he's not right. separating. Right. I and think. I, right. I, I don't mind that guy in the Bills' offense. I just that doesn't sound to me like what they need. I, I'm. I don't know. I think that's Kincaid. I, I know Kincaid is like he might be better at other things. Like the, his route running for a tight end is spectacular, and the easy button throws that he can do. But some of his best plays last year was Allen. Just he has to throw to, the, to who's covered, and he just throws the ball above the defender, and Dalton Kincaid comes down with it. He had a catch like that against the the Bucks on the near on the sideline, uh, the Bills sideline. I remember he had a catch like that. I think against the Chiefs, too, didn't he? Where Allen just threw the ball up and Kincaid yep. came down with it. So I, I think they've got a guy that's pretty good in those situations. I think the speed element is what they don't really have. Joe, are you a card collector? Like sports cards? Hobby? Not anymore. 
I would have said I, I used to have a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. I still used to. What happened to them? You still have them? No, I think we sold them. Really? Okay. Uh, I still have a lot of them. A lot I just of '90s hockey cards. Okay. For me. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Well, I I was very much into the collection when a lot of people were like in the late '80s, early '90s. They call that the junk wax era because it was so mass and overproduced. What? Junk wax. Oh, okay. So mass overproduced, and I have boxes and boxes and thousands and thousands of cards. I still have them. I've saved them. I have unopened boxes of like 1992 or '93 um, upper deck baseball cards, unopened boxes. There could yeah maybe a couple of Jer- Derek Jeter rookies in there, which is really cool. But I haven't opened them yet. Um, in the meantime, I didn't do it for 30 years. Mm-hmm. My son is super into it now. Max is hardcore into collecting. So I've kind of gotten back into it. Not for myself, but for him. We go to these card shows. Uh, we go over to David Adams a lot. It's fantastic. There's a lot of great uh, Niagara sports cards up there. I got to know the people there. There's a lot of different things that, you know, places you can go. And, and I've yeah. done that just to, you know, kind of get back into it a little bit. So this story got my attention. Do, do you know about their Gretzky rookie? The Opeechee um, Gretzky rookie? I mean, I know it. I know of it. Okay, so the Opeechee Gretzky rookie. You can get one at Tops. It's the same picture, but if it's not Opeechee, right. it's different. The Opeechee, which is the counterpart to Tops they make in Canada, the Gretzky rookie Opeechee card sold for over a million dollars not long ago. Wow. Because there's not many out there. A mint condition one. Yeah. Okay, like it was incredible. Okay. Recently, last week... There's a guy in a family in Saskatchewan that somehow found an unopened crate, not a box, a full crate, a crate. Okay. of boxes of the same year Opeechee cards. 11,000 cards in this crate. They've been unopened for 44 years. Yeah. The box is said to contain possibly up to two dozen Gretzky rookies. Wow. They put it up for auction. The it, crate? The crate. It went for $3.7 million. Oh. That is... Well, because, right, you don't... I guess you don't know, technically... Well, you don't know how many are in there, right? You don't know. You don't know. But, like, you've got to assume, just based on probability, there's the, a couple. The, well... The, there has to be at least a well, couple. Well, the, the story is... They think the people who do the, the 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 math on it said two dozen of them are probably in there. Two dozen. Now, here's the interesting part. I just told you what the Gretzky rookie went for. However, it said because if you open them and all of a sudden there's all these more Gretzky rookies out there, it's going to devalue the price of the Gretzky rookie. So the crate is actually more valuable still unopened. Right. Okay. Right, because it's almost like expected value. Right. <laughs> kind of versus uh, what actually might be in there. Where did they find this again? Okay, so... Because that that's the craziest part of the story to me is... What right. Do you, what do you mean there was a crate of okay. hockey cards from the 70s that was just laying around? I'll read you this. There, there's many stories on this. This is from CBSNews.com. It says, The box of cards was originally owned by a man who was a rabid collector in the 60s and 70s, according to Heritage Auctions. Remarkably... Quote, remarkably, our consigner wasn't aware he owned this outrageous Holy Grail case until very recent accounting of a long-forgotten pile of boxes in his home in Saskatchewan. The man's son found the case behind stacks and stacks of other stuff. It was just buried in the back behind some junk. That's incredible. 11,000 cards in this crate, which probably contain 24 or 25, mathematically they think, 24 or 25 Gretzky Opeechee rookies. 
That, I think, just with the way markets work, would also make the other Gretzky rookies worth less, right? Right. Because if there's not that many to begin with, especially that are in mint condition, well, now, what are you, what are you doubling? No, maybe it's not doubling. But you're, you're adding a lot of those cards to the market where you thought it was super, super rare. The other thing, I guess, would they know before the auction what kind of condition? They, they must have some idea what condition that the rookie cards would be in. Inside, because as you mentioned, they're rare and mint right. condition. Right, that is part of the issue. Like, how, yes. how are they stored? Were they stored in a garage for forty years? Were they stored in like an indoor setting where there isn't a lot of moisture? Also, how is Saskatchewan for that? I don't know. Like, it's pretty cold, right? For a lot of the year, like let maybe me, that helps actually. Yeah, let me actually. And I'm sorry, I misspoke. How about this? The actual Gretzky rookie card sold for three point seven five million. The one card, one just, card, just two years ago. Or a year ago. Okay. How about that? But the uh, the open case then sold for it's, it's about all, the same price? About the same price, yep. Now huh. you have to remember, the mint, it's a mint condition card, because what you said is right. You don't know what the you, you could. Is. Yeah, I mean, right, you think, but it's been there for... I, look, and, and again, I, I'm not like super detailed button up on this, like a lot of you might be listening and yeah. knowing this about why that is, but that would be my guess. Only, it is amazing. Only the, the, that auction house that just had this uh, case sell yep. said there's only two perfect condition cards there of Gretzky's go. first season that are known to exist. Two total. <sighs> I mean, so right there would be some ambiguity of what like what are you getting inside there? Because did you see the pictures of the box? The boxes look fine, but I, you don't know. It'd probably be a lot worse if it was in like Miami or something for the last forty years. Yeah, uh, Dan Humidity. says that the, the hobby is on fire right now. I agree, Dan. I've been there. I, I've seen. I've I've gone to some of these rip parties. They call them rip parties, Joe. You know that the rip, rip party? parties. No, well, you know what a rip party is. No. So you go like um, like Dave and Adams has rip parties. All these other card places have rip parties. You go and you show up at a certain day and time. They say we're gonna have a rip party. They invite you in and they give you discount for to buy boxes. A certain box might be coming out, like a hot box, and you and everybody rips the cards open together and to find out what they have. And it's a rip Ugh. party, so you rip the the, the cards and and find out. Okay, so that's why it's called a rip party. And these are very popular things now. If you go online and you go to some of the the Twitch streams and the YouTube streams and all these other things that have video platforms, these card companies have like rip parties mm-hmm. online where they hey here's a here's a pack, rip it open, see what's inside. Okay, it's a pretty cool deal yeah. now. They're. By the way, some breaking news in the NFL because we okay. were just talking about safety. Kevin Byard just got released by the by the Eagles. Okay, thirty one years old. He's kind of a cap dump. They sold they saved like thirteen million dollars by doing it. Just wanted to get that in before the break because we were just talking about like one year safety signings. That, I mean, I don't know. He's I think better right now than Jordan Boyer is. If you wanted to take that money and give it to him. So another safety idea that's in free agency that, again, because of his age, you're not going to give him like a massive extension. Frank Gore Jr.'s son is going to be in the NFL next year, I think, right? I think yeah, you met, met with the uh, 49ers at the Combine. That'd be cool. Just sign Frank Gore to like, to let him play one game with his son. Just that, Sign him to like a one-day contract, put like a one-day contract with a guy in the up. NFL. It's happened in other sports. It's happened in hockey. Yeah, it's never happened in the NFL. A, a dad and son together? Oh, no, I, I can't imagine. It happened in baseball, of course, the Griffies. 
Yeah. They played in the same team. They went back-to-back homers. The Griffies went back-to-back homers one time. Father-son. Yeah. Um, in fact... The Howes played. Gordy played with his son. One it, of them. It looks like they've ne- there's never been a father-son that were even active at the same time. How could it be in that sport? The, the longevity, the thing, there's no way. The one way I was thinking about it is if you had a quarterback that played a really, really right. long time with like a 20... Like he's he's in his 40s and has a son in his early 20s that just enters the league. You'd have to but you'd have to get to you'd have to get the positions to line up because most positions in football have shorter careers than other sports. But like quarterbacks right. and yes. kicker and kickers. Kickers. There you go. We need kickers. a kicker to we do. Need it. Kickers. How about yeah. Bronny James? Is he, are him and his dad going to play together in the league? Is well, he an NBA player? I think so because LeBron isn't LeBron going to get that done? I think so. Cuz LeBron this has been out there in the past. I don't know where this holds now. LeBron has basically made it sound like if you if you hey draft my son and I'll finish my career with you, right? Hey, yeah, uh, that's, that's Orlando. A thing. Orlando. If you take him in the draft, you give him a chance to. Play, I'll, I'll play for you. Which money, money machine, right there? If you get LeBron to play for you for a couple of years, we'll come back. We'll wrap up your week here on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. Oh yeah, everybody's working for that weekend. That's tomorrow. Some nice weather coming. It's March. Yes, baby, we're rolling. Bracket season. Do it. Bracket season. I can't play golf yet, though. I still can't lift my arm up because of the pacemaker thing. I got like, oh, yeah. I got to let it heal and all that kind of stuff, so I can't play golf yet. But yep. it's getting there. It's getting there. Golf season. All right. Tomorrow night, Las Vegas Golden Knights in town to take on the Buffalo Sabres, 7 p.m. right here, WGR, Sabres Radio Network. We don't know if Jack Eichel's going to play. We now have a couple of games of Jack coming back to Buffalo, one which he was really bad, mad after they lost and Mm -hmm. didn't look good. And then he comes back and scores a hat-trick, obviously wins the Stanley Cup. Are we still booing Jack Eichel every time he touches the puck? Uh, I don't know about every time he touches the puck because I think you're asking for it if he does that. (laughs) Because what the Sabres fans did, you know, no blame. Uh, He had a couple breakaways last time Uh he was here. He got stopped, and everybody let him know about it, that he got stopped. And then he ended up getting a hat trick, and he, you know, he's like, oh, where are you now? Kind of. Like, he Uh was definitely uh leaning into being the heel. You don't want to have him leaning into being the heel because he's got the ring now. You don't want him. You don't want him pointing to the ring finger. Or Howard, Uh, who was in here earlier, said if he really wants to go ultra heel mode, he'll score a goal. He'll wear the Stanley Cup ring under his glove, and after he scores, he'll remove the glove to show everybody the ring. Just don't, just don't ask for it. Just don't ask for it. And you it. know if he has a chance, he's going to play tomorrow night. He would love to come back and play in this game. He's out of the non-contact jersey, and his coach, by the way, Bruce Cassidy, they just he went back to Boston, and he had a comment like, it's a lot sweeter to go back here with the ring. And i got to think Eichel mm. is probably thinking the same thing. So, I yeah. I, I, I might bet he plays, but, again, he hasn't played since January 11th, so who knows. Sabres live up next, and it's One Bills Live, Shoping the Bulldog at 3 o'clock here today on WGR. Enjoy your weekend in the nice weather. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.